Mbuli Bwanji Church. <laughs> Isn't it easier to say aloha? <laughs> well, today, <laughs> thank you. Today, I get the great privilege to introduce to you my friend. Um, I knew that following uh, Holy Week and all of the events there, and then preaching on Easter Sunday, it was good for me to just take a breather and prepare even further. And so I asked Paul if he would preach uh, the message that continues on in our Philippians series, and he so graciously agreed. I want you to know that in the last year that I have been the pastor here, I have leaned heavily on Paul. He is a man of great wisdom. And he's a person that has lived life here at Mission Church. Um, if, you, if, if he ever gets a cut, he will bleed Mission Church. That's, that's how ingrained he is. Um, he loves the Lord. He loves you. And if you haven't gotten to know him yet, that's because you're new. <laughs> and, and you need to meet Paul. Um, he has been in, in ministry for his entire life. And his beautiful wife, Alita, is here. And we are so grateful to have them as a part of our staff. Church, would you welcome uh, Paul Slater? Yes. Well, it's always a joy to, to uh, preach and uh, appreciate the pastor asking me. But I don't need this pulpit to proclaim Jesus Christ, nor do you. We each have our own pulpit somewhere. And so today I want to talk to you about that and what that means. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. And a pretty powerful passage of scripture that, uh, well, helps us to, to know what our task is. Shining for Jesus in a corrupt culture. Now, as I was preparing this sermon and going through some of the things, uh, uh, I was bouncing them off of Alita, the concepts, and she reminded me not to focus upon the negative, but upon the positive. Because, uh, well, one of the verses that we have here is do everything without grumbling or arguing. And how do I tell people not to grumble or argue without grumbling and arguing? (laughs) Well, those are some of the challenges that we have in Scripture. Verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. It's easy to think that uh, perhaps these are the most corrupt days that uh, people have had to live through, especially God's people, Christian people. Uh, We can point to so many things. Uh, Listening to the news is uh, just a rehearsal of uh, everything that is wrong and corrupt in, in our culture. 
And yet, as we take a look at these days, we, we must not make the assumption that nobody else has gone through what we've gone through. And as we take a look at uh, the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, and what Paul is writing to them, they had some very difficult things to go through. And so he wanted to let them know that that is not what defines who we are. That's, that's not, it's not a negative uh, atmosphere out there that we have to just be victimized by. But there is spiritual victory that you and I and they could experience even in a corrupt culture, a generation that's turned its back on God. As I was thinking about some of the things that the early Christians had to go through, I I was reminded of a study that we have done, and some of you have done this study perhaps several times, I don't know, but it's by uh, Ray Vanderlaan, and it's a video series, In the Dust of the Rabbi. How many of you have ever gone through this study? Uh, Several of you have have done that. And uh, just a a powerful study of what it was like to, to... to go through life, just living life in the early church and the things that they had, had, to, had to face. Uh, first of all, uh, let me just remind you that depravity is not just something that we experience here. I was listening to the radio. I, I, I'm not related to him, but uh, I oftentimes will listen to a fellow by the name of Mike Slater. And he was using that word the other day. Uh, depravity, and just uh, the, the, the basis activities, that, uh, the, the things that, that could go wrong in life because we are sinners. Now, we are sinners saved by grace, but he's just talking about the terrible things that are taking place in our world. One of the things that, that I learned from the study that we, that we did is that we are called by Christ to stand against culture. And, and I, I looked into this study, this book, and as reminded of, of these things. These people in the early church, they centered the, the attention on Christ, but the world they lived in centered on pleasing the gods to win their favor, to ensure personal success. Many of these uh, cultures that they found themselves in were, were based upon the fertility gods. And uh, if you think things are evil today, they were so evil back then. And one of the things I remembered uh, from the study is that people had to go to market. Agora was what it was called. And market was like a, a, it was like a, a flea market. It, it was like... Uh, uh, a marketplace where everybody would come and bring their goods, bring whatever they're, they're selling. It, it was Etsy only back in the first century. And, uh, and yet, there was something very different. And it was this. You had to dedicate whatever you've made, whatever you were bringing, that strawberry jam that you had made, It had to be dedicated and committed by you to the gods and whatever those gods were. And uh, that's quite a challenge for a Christian. 
who owes no allegiance except to God, the Father. Allegiance to Christ, their Lord and Savior. And so they found themselves in this setting. And uh, evil, just evil, even to the point of what they would do to the children. Remember, it was Philippi where the young lady was, was screaming out to Paul and uh, she had been hired by the silversmiths and uh, she was drawing up, up uh, activity, but she was uh, demon-possessed. And that was very common in that time uh, for, for the Christians to live in that type of setting. And yet through all of this, Paul has the audacity to suggest that we could shine for Jesus in the culture that we're living in. How do we do it? How do we live our lives out in what we might consider a cesspool of immorality all around us? I think that the instructions that Paul gave to them apply to us as well. So how do we do it? I call it shining for Jesus in a corrupt culture. I'd like to suggest to you there are four things that they had to do. First of all, to shine for Jesus, they and we must be intentional in our obedience to Christ. We notice in verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. That's quite a statement right there. I think he had amnesia about some situations. But uh, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Interesting. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is not to say that uh, he's proclaiming a works theology. You know, many times uh, I would ask people, what is the basis of your faith? If God were to let you into his heaven, what, what would you say? I would ask that of people. And they would usually respond, well, well I'm not a bad guy, and basically it was, uh, I don't kick the dog, and, and uh, I'm, I'm just a nice person. And, and they, they gave all the wrong answers. And the right answer, of course, would be because of my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. William Barclay is a favorite theologian of mine, and yet I would say he's probably on the liberal side, being a part of the Anglican Church when he wrote all these things. But he tells us this, the word used for to work out has the idea of bringing to completion. It is as if Paul says, don't stop halfway, Go on until the work of salvation is fully wrought out in you. Then he adds, no Christian should be satisfied with anything less than the total benefits of the gospel. It's clear that the Apostle Paul accepted a tension that we live with as well. And it's the tension of God giving us free will. He allows that in our lives. We get to choose. Rather simplistic, I know, but uh, one fellow was asking me. I was working for him when I was with the, the county, and 
Billy Graham, one of his final crusades that he was having, came into town. And uh, he asked a question in his vernacular. What the, it wasn't heaven. What is Billy Graham all about? And uh, I said, why do you ask? He says, well, one of, your, one of our co-workers has invited me. Well, what, what should I expect? And I said, well, there will be people who, who stand up and, and share what Christ has done, maybe in their marriage or maybe it's an athlete who, who's uh, trusted Christ and how, how his uh, life has been enriched. And then Billy Graham will get up and he'll, he'll take the Bible and he'll preach a message about uh, how we can, can uh, give our hearts and lives to Jesus. And then the last part is there's a vote. And you can either vote for Jesus or, 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 or vote to stay where you are. And he understood that. Later he came back to me, his name was Steve, and and uh, he was calling from the Christian bookstore. I didn't know he had gone forward. And uh, so he was calling the Christian bookstore because someone told him he had to get a Bible. And he used his language that, how do I know which one to choose? And uh, I said, well, there's various translations. He said, I like the ones that have red type in them. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. If it's God talking, I want to know it's God. Well, uh, just uh, a, a man whose life was totally and radically changed by the grace of God. So free will. We get to choose. And uh, the choice here that Paul is talking about, will you cooperate with God in all that he wants to do through grace? working within our hearts and lives. And that's the question we have to ask even each day, just not in a conversion experience. But am I going am, am to cooperate with God today in, in the settings that I find myself, in the situations that come my way where I allow God to work within me, to do His will, and, and, and to help me uh, be ready to, to, to live in such a way that we fulfill the purposes of God through our living. So, intentional obedience. second thing I want to say about shining for Jesus is that we've got to stop arguing with God while he's working within us to make us blameless and pure. Say, now wait a minute, Paul. It doesn't say they're arguing with God. Well, yeah, it does. Because it's in the context of obedience. Just as you obeyed when I was there, and now that I'm absent, you're going to obey the Lord. Then he says to them, do everything without grumbling and arguing. You ever argue with God? You ever wish that you weren't having to do what you knew was his assignment for your life? I think sometimes we give in to that and he's saying, stop it. If you're going to shine for Jesus, you, you have to quit arguing as to where the Lord sends you, what doors he opens up for you. And so he talks about 
doing all of this with fear and trembling. What would we be afraid of? In sales, I notice on the internet many times uh, there will be someone who offers a, a, a book or, or a, a program or a product, but you've got to act right now. And it's called the fear of missing out. And it works on people. Boy, and sometimes they have this countdown thing going, you know, oh man, i got to get in on this. And, and, and I think in reality, we ought to live in such a way that we fear missing out on God's best. To be aware that God is at work is what the Apostle Paul is calling them and us to do. Grumbling, complaining. We find that concept in the Old Testament many times, and usually it was against the spiritual leader. Just about every situation that it shows up in the Old Testament was against Moses, and they were being delivered from, from Egypt. They were going to the promised land. God was going to give them everything that they needed to be victorious as they served the Lord. And yet they grumbled. They grumbled about some of the methods that the Lord used. Or they grumbled and complained because they couldn't have their way. God had an expectation that they would live according to his will and his way. And so we have to be careful we don't live in that same mindset of, of, of arguing and grumbling about what God is doing in our lives. We want the result, but sometimes we're a little bit short with God as we try to bring ourselves to that point, we trust him to have his will and way as to where we are to shine for him. Let me talk to you about the next thing that I think that the, Paul is talking to us about. To shine for Jesus, there must be an obvious contrast to the culture that we're living in. Now notice what he says. Remember, it's God at work in you. It's not your personality. It's not good looks. Well, your good looks. It, it's nothing like that. Uh, my sister Becky, she, she passed away uh, last year, but uh, she had a way of putting me in my place. She said, she said, Paul, just because you're homely doesn't mean you have to be ugly. <laughs> she was talking about disposition, don't you know? But remember, it's God that is working within us. And, and as we read this in the New Living Translation, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. That's what grace is all about. And it, it, it's creating within us this want to in response to the assignments and leadership that God has in our lives. As we cooperate with God, it is to purify us so that we are, and the scripture says, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among, among them like stars in the sky. Shining stars. Stars in the sky. You know, I really didn't notice stars in the sky like I did 
until we were in big sky country up in Boise, up in Idaho. And it's, it's phenomenal at nighttime, just the big sky. You say it's the same thing in Wyoming and, and Montana and those states where the, the darkness is, is so intense and the brightness of the stars is so phenomenal. And this is what we are to do, the contrast. Now, I've got to ask you a question. Jesus said, and uh, I based the question on what he said, that we can have life and have it more abundantly, that he has come that we might have life to the full. It is that kind of life that shines like the stars. And so uh, it's, it's a contrast. And I, I know how easy it is to get caught up in in the culture, uh, I'm made, I've made my attempt to write a book or two, and I, I'm a part of some writing groups, and they're not always the most spiritual groups. They just write. And so uh, they're always suggesting where the real market, where the real money is in writing. And I'm just not going to write that stuff. In fact, uh, one of the fellows, there was a terrible book that came out, and then... The movie came out. Hate to even mention it because it might bring connotation to it. But it was called uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And he decided, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on that and write the correct book, Fifty Shades of Grace." And uh, had a powerful book on the grace of God. Uh, just the contrast and. Um, God intends for us not just to endure or be victimized in the world that we find ourselves, but to realize that God has plans for us to be victorious and to shine for him and point people to a superior way of living. That's what Christianity is. It's a superior way of living. And... Uh, that's one of the reasons why we would, should be on our guard when some poor person invites us to be involved in what I determine, and probably you do too, not superior, but an inferior way of living, we can say, no, thank you. And realize that God has for us a bright future and a bright life so that we can shine for him. It's interesting in Psalm 1.1, the first chapter of the Psalms, the first verses in Psalms, reads this way. Great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice, who don't live like sinners, and who don't join those who make fun of God. Instead, that's an important word, instead, they love the Lord's teaching. And think about them, these teachings, day and night. I have a question to ask based upon this. Who are you listening to? I think it makes a difference. What are you reading? Who are you reading? What are you watching? Who are you with? Who becomes the influencers in your life? Don't listen to them as the Word of God is saying. Listen instead to the Word of God. 
And that leads me to say it this way. To shine for Jesus, we must base our lives upon the principles of Scripture. Got excited yesterday as I was coming on the campus and noticed kids around and uh, heard about teams uh, in the other part of our campus and their quiz team realizing that the Word of God was, was, was being memorized by our young people. That's how they can be equipped to stand against satanic attack in a, in a culture that's like a cesspool of immorality. So I ask some more questions. I ask it of me. Are my beliefs based upon the Word of God? Do I firmly believe that God has for me all that is necessary to live victoriously? It's called grace. Just not his mercy. Yes, it is that. It's not just his forgiveness. Yes, it is that. But it's being empowered by the very presence of God as he works in our hearts and lives to stand and even be victorious in the culture that we find ourselves I didn't want to leave you in this message with a concept of uh, defeat. Oh, this is too lousy of a world to live in. Oh, life is tough. You're sounding more like those who grumble and complain when you talk about it that way. But we are those who say, I want to embrace the truth that God is at work within me right now to help me want to do the will of God and then actually do it as God in his power through the Holy Spirit fulfills that in my life and in your life. We can be victorious in Christ. The Word of God. The Word of God. I was listening in. I couldn't get away from it. I, I, I was in my office and I heard Liz teaching uh, the, the Sunday school class. If you're going to call yourself The Way, then they found out one of our classes already had that name, so someone suggested they be named The Other Way. <laughs> but uh, I was hearing as they were dealing with life after Easter, after the resurrection, and going to the Word of God and then I, I was over getting some supplies for uh, our, our uh, kitchen team. And I was hearing in, in John Payton's class the fact that they were discovering the truth of Scripture and they were reading the Word of God and they were applying it. That's the type of church we want to be. And then our young people involved in Scripture memory and in quizzing. Wow. That's what God wants for us as a church. And if we will do that, not only as a church, but in our, our, our personal lives, we will shine for Jesus in a corrupt culture. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word. Perhaps there's someone here today who is living in defeat. They've chosen wrongly. Help them know that your grace is sufficient to forgive them. Help them know that they can, can serve you victoriously because you are at work in their hearts and lives. 
and as we learn more about you through the Word of God. Thank you that we have a church that thinks the Word of God is supreme. And I just pray that you would help us live victoriously as we live our lives in the culture we find ourselves. Shining for Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.